All right, well, welcome to the, the final episode of the Bible, God's Inerrant Word class. This is uh, the last class of this series. And uh, next, uh, I'm not sure what's happening next. We're going to have at the end of this class, Danny supposedly is going to come in here and tell us about the Christology class, which is the class that's going to be coming up after this. I can't remember if it starts next week or if there's like a, a, a non-class no, week. Next week is the... Um the meeting, annual congregational so meeting, we're not a first school, hour. We're not having a Sunday school class. We're going to do that first hour? I think. Okay. But usually right. <laughs> and uh, actually, when she's I, not right, see yes. rule number one. <clears throat> Remember last night I said, oh no, you don't have Sunday school tomorrow. She was, I thought you was messing with because my head. Because it was the congregational meeting, but then I said, oh, it's November 13th. Since I'd spent all day preparing, that really, Technically, she that was really got us. me there. Yeah. I was trying to, trying to, it was a very short to, period of time yeah. that I was wrong, though. So. It was, and since you corrected yourself, therefore, you weren't. So, you know. And I assumed she was right, panicked. <clears throat> uh, okay, so uh, we're, uh, we're going to study uh, today. Oh, I didn't put it on the board yet. We'll put that on the board later. We're going to study the application of Scripture this morning. So we've studied a lot about you know where the scripture came from how to, and, and, and recently how to interpret it what the major themes of scripture are so forth so on our last week here we're going to talk about the application of scripture as a popular subject so let's talk about the application of scripture and uh, we'll start by um, um, <clears throat> well what, what we spent a lot of time on was um, recently was about how to correctly understand scripture how to get the message you know that the sender intended for even back in week one we talked about you know messaging like god's speaking so we think god's speaking to us uh, that's what scripture is god's speaking to us so he's uh, trying to communicate he's sending a message and this one's pretty interesting as a uh, it's like a long, a long letter. I mean, it's written down and provided, right? So it's not, there, it's not. Uh, there's no question and answer session provided by the sender. There's no, um, like when we're trying to communicate on radios, we read back what we think the, you know, the sender just told us, and then they say, well, read back correct, and so it's. Uh, you get a chance to make sure you understood. And we're used to, when we communicate with people w amongst each other, having a little bit of, wait a minute, do you mean, you know, I'm not teaching tomorrow or what? You know, so we have a little, are you sure? We can ask that back and forth. Here, there's, there's not direct back and forth. This is like a, uh, almost like a message in a bottle that we found, you know, one day, we, one day each of us, picked up a Bible for the first time, right? And started trying to understand it. <clears throat> so, uh, trying to understand it. And uh, so I want to start today with uh, the question, um, <clears throat> what, what are the reasons the sender is sending the message? In this case, what are the reasons the sender, we figure the sender is God, and the message is the Bible, what are the reasons that the sender is sending the message? Well, generically speaking, what are the reasons the sender is sending the message? To make himself known? Make himself known, right? You might, since he's invisible, in this particular case, invisible, so he's going to have to make himself known somehow, right? Okay. What other reasons might the sender send the message in this case? He wants Maybe. us to know something. Wants us to know something. Okay. Right? Make himself known to us. Us among uh, himself among and, and other things. Know things. Right? What else? Um, in in uh, revealing himself and informing us, he wants, I guess, to establish a relationship with his creation. Ah, okay, establish a relationship. Okay, 
Warn us of coming events. Warn us of coming events, of things we should be warned about. Okay? Traps that he knows are there that we wouldn't know. Good. Other reasons for the sender to send the message. These messages. I guess there's a lot of messages in here. Call it one big message. But. <clears throat> encourage us. Encourage us. In this case, uh, maybe another way of thinking about this, this is not just any, so going away from the generic purposes of sending messages, and we've already done that, we're thinking about, well, this is God sending messages, so he knows stuff we don't know. I mean, that happens a lot when messages are being sent. Do all these things we've been talking about. But uh, <clears throat> in this case, um, the sender is God. Okay. What else? What other reasons might he send this message? Some of the messages in the Bible. It's along with encouragement, but to give us hope. Give us hope, right? Yeah, he's, he's God. He's in control. He's our Father. So another way to think about purposes God might have that are, less, that are more than generic purposes in message sending is if he's a loving Father thinking about the kinds of messages fathers try to get through to their kids. Uh, he's, he's, got, he's like that. He's like trying to, he's warning us of things. You know, he doesn't want us to hurt ourselves or get hurt. Uh, he knows of dangers, like a father knows that there's cars in the street and our young kids don't. They'll just run right out there after the ball. So we got to try to get them to realize that that's dangerous and they shouldn't do that. We want them to stop at the edge of the street and look both ways. So we, we're, we're trying, as fathers, trying to communicate to our kids. We're, trying, we're actually trying to get them to change the way they think about things. And we're trying to get them to change the way they act. Some things they do naturally that could hurt them. So, and God's doing some of that too. A lot of that is what we'll get into today in terms of application. <clears throat> okay, application. Uh, so, changing, somehow changing us would be a, a big part of what God is communicating in the Bible. Not all doing all those other things we talked about, but today thinking of application, we'll think about changing us. Uh, in, in uh, beneficial ways. So <clears throat> let's look at John, uh, let's look at John 20, 31. Here's a verse. John 20, 31. These are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Actually, I should read verse 30. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So... That's one, one effect of the sending of the message, if you will, by God is after. He's trying to uh, help us believe that Jesus is the Christ. John focused in on, what, seven miracles and sort of put the gospel in the context of the miracles. <clears throat> and then there's the one we keep coming to. We're spending time here this morning, 2 Timothy Believe the gospel. That was is believing the gospel an application of scripture. According to what you just read, yes. it's a result of scripture. Oh. True. Does that yeah. make it an application? Yeah. It's a result. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it's not an external behavior, but it is a change in us. Now we know from a lot of other study that it's a change in us wrought by God, but how? By the hearing of the word, right? So it's a, it's kind of, kind of an application of scripture. Second uh, Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. This is like our theme verse for the whole course, to some extent. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So whatever other purposes are served and intended by the Bible, we got this one saying that the whole Bible is profitable for these four things. And uh, these, all, <clears throat> uh, these all are uh, uh, effects on us, right? These are, headed to, these are about effects on us. So the Bible here uh, should have, we can expect it to have a profound effect on us. Now, we just read about one. We, we would learn uh, about Jesus and by believing in him, uh, receive eternal life and forgiveness of sins. That's a pretty good effect. Okay. So, and now it's saying, and we we learn that from Scripture. We're taught that from Scripture. How do we find that out by being taught that from Scripture? So that's an example of the teaching thing, right? So, <clears throat> um, so let's look at these. What's the what's the purpose of teaching? To impart wisdom, knowledge, uh, wisdom. We were talking about uh, teaching before class started. Some 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 examples of teaching, where we just just pure pure up straight up knowledge, like stuff that students had to memorize and be able to recall. Teaching. So it's about the truth, knowing the truth. <clears throat> Changing the way we think, right? So we teach where we either don't know anything about the subject we're being taught <coughs> or we need to know more. That's why we signed up. So we're, gonna, we're trying to know more and we want it to be true. We don't want to learn stuff that isn't true. We want to learn stuff that's true. We want to expand what we know. So, uh, and, and it's changing as we learn truth, it changes the way we think. Right, it changes the way we think. Before, we might have seen something go by and thought, well, that looks good. Now we've been, been instructed, we go, ooh, that's not good at all. So it changes the way we think. It changes our understanding of what we is true and what we see or hear. Wisdom, judgment, you know, gives us that filter, some filters, that have, tooth filters to interpret other things with. Uh, Romans 12, 2. Let's look there. Romans 12, 2. Who's got that to read? <clears throat> got it? Who's got it? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, being able to test and approve things that go by, discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is all knowledge and wisdom, application of scripture. So an application of scripture is to, I mean, this isn't about, this isn't a, a recipe for how to do this or that. This is an, a, an, a capability uh, grown in us by the Holy Spirit from scripture to, to discern the will of God. <clears throat> what is good? What's acceptable? It's transforming our minds.
So that's first thing teaching does. <clears throat> uh, it starts with knowledge. Let's look at Ephesians 6, 17. It says, well, this Ephesians 6, 17, it just mentions that the, this is in the middle of the whole armor of God. And it says, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So the spirit's tool, the spirit's tool for doing the spirit's work in us is the word of God. It's the thing that does the cutting. <laughs> uh, sword, right? The, the weapon of, of the spirit. So in us, then there's, 2 Timothy 2.25. Oh, I should have, we should have kept our finger in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 2.25. I'm going to back up and read 24. So this is Paul advising Timothy, a teacher, okay? A teacher, a minister of the Word of God. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, <clears throat> patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, that they may come to their senses. So, <clears throat> knowledge of the truth. This first to me, it's interesting that repentance comes before knowledge of the truth. So the, the, what he's getting at here is if, if uh, un, really non-believers, these opponents, could be uh, granted repentance, they could learn, then they could, that would lead them to knowledge of the truth. It's like a conditional thing. Also coming from uh, the Bible in the, in the non-believing world, Scriptures don't have their intended effect without repentance. Look at verse 3-7, talking about folks that are in this boat, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. So again, it's you can study the Bible. I think in some high schools, they'll have a course on the Bible. The Bible as literature. Okay, good. Uh except for then someone's going to be explaining the Bible without what it's really about. <laughs> and, uh, and that's, you could maybe learn a lot. You could learn more some of the stuff that, you know, liter references in literature that are from scripture. Now you'd be a smarter human, but not have any knowledge of the truth. Right. So the Holy Spirit. Except that the Bible speaks for itself. You might learn that. So if yes. they're reading it, they are reading. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had a kid here that came to faith through Doc Thompson's Bible yeah. course at Brentwood High School because yes. he realized, oh, you know, and Doc Thompson couldn't teach it as, you know, the way we teach it right. here at Community Bible Church. But he told me, he said, you know, it's God's word speaks for itself, and when these kids are reading it. Yes. Well, and that's like we said before. I mean, if the Holy Spirit is going to get someone to believe, it's going to somehow be that they're exposed to the word and the Holy Spirit works on it, works on their heart. Right? So those the, the exposed to the world, the word that's in Romans, how will they how will they hear it if no one tells it to them? So if someone's reading it in their secular literature class then good. <laughs> There's a chance the Holy Spirit's going to pick that day right in that person. That's going to be their time. So, good stuff. Okay, so this changing of our minds, the way we think, the way we understand what we observe, uh, the Scripture is suitable for that. That's a big application of Scripture. Okay, still we haven't, it doesn't really change anything we're doing specifically yet, but it it does change the way we think. 
The next thing it says is for reproof, right? It says for teaching, for reproof. What is reproof? Is it like saying like you did something wrong? Correction. Well, actually, correction is, correction is good. I think you're just getting yelled at if you're being reproved. I don't <laughs> think you're being instructed in anything. If you, so, so yeah, in fact, correction is mentioned next. So we're going to think about the difference between reproof and correction. Reproof, I looked it up. I thought, well, I think I know what this means, but I Googled it. And it basically means rebuke or calling out error. So one would be, don't do this. The other would be... What to do this. instead. Okay, maybe so. Yes, right? Uh, so uh, reproof. So rebuke or conviction. So if now in Second Timothy, he's talking, we know Paul in the context there, Paul's talking to a teacher, a minister of the word. And he's saying, you can use the word. The, word is, the whole Bible is, is useful for calling out stuff that's not good. Yeah, okay. it, it interject real quick. Uh, it, it is funny because, I mean, and I think the same way as what Barrett just said a lot of times, but when we think about reproof, um, there may come a time for a, a sterner approach like that. But And maybe it's because the, the church in general has often handled it in such a reproof in such sometimes wrongly spirited way. But reproof can be absolutely loving. Um, it's, it's simply yeah. uh, 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 pointing out of something that may be destructive to another person and or the church. And, and then it leads naturally, if we're doing it right, it leads naturally into the correction, you know, and those other loving yes. parts as well. Yeah. So, um, uh, yep. I think a goal of the church is to try and just to, to find that way where reproof is loving and helpful and all that stuff because yeah. you know as humans in our sin and weakness we often want to jump immediately into the the emotionally charged offended part of ourselves and unleash that on others right but it, you know if you're another place in the bible talks about uh, uh the father that loves his children you know will mm -hmm. correct them and yeah. scold them and yeah. discipline them and yeah. and God does that with us, and mm -hmm. so we have to, and He does it lovingly, so we have to find a way to do that lovingly. Right. Just like a verse a minute ago we read where Paul's advising Timothy, people are against you, you treat them with gentleness, right? You're, you're trying to get them to listen to the Word. So, you know, if you condemn and anger, you know, if you if you just blast them, you're, there's, there's no more chance to try to win them, right? So... <clears throat> And I think uh, uh, reproof is, uh, you know, may, for us mainly, if, as students of the word, as studiers of the word, it's it's what we're it's us being reproved by the word. It's pers it's personal. Uh, there's a for the sake of time we won't go there, but in Hebrews four twelve to thirteen, uh, Paul kind of the writer of Hebrews scolds. The readers, this is the one where it says, by now you should be more knowledgeable of the scriptures. You still, he calls it milk versus solid food. You should be further along in your studying of the scriptures. You're, you're, you're not, you're not, um, you're not getting enough correction <laughs> from the scriptures. You should know that. And, uh, so, <clears throat> so it's kind of a, per, a personal thing. We think about application, the scriptures suitable to, for us to recognize when, when we're doing something wrong, convict, convicting us. And when we go under the ministry of the word, like we're talking about, it's that minister may say, hey, now, here's a kind of thought I bet I know I've had and you've had that's not correct. And we're learning, you know, we're convicted, okay? And... Uh, <clears throat> So we have for reproof, all right, for correction. So we just talked about this. What's it? So correction, what's correction? The right thing to do. So if reproof is, hey, calling, you know, helping us see something that's not right uh, in ourselves, uh, then correction could be what's right instead. In fact, that word 
there's a Greek word for the epinorthosis or something like that. It means it means correcting something that wasn't quite right, like restating something a better way, like editing, straightening something out. Like it's the ortho in there is the same as orthodontics. So you've got teeth, but they they could look better. <laughs> or they could function better. They could function better. Put some braces on. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna need to take this kid to the orthodontist. Right. And uh, how many people in here had orthodontics? So uh, me too. So the the um, so you got teeth, but they're not straight. They need to be tweaked, right? So uh, correction, lining things up better. Um, <clears throat> so we have ideas. We have a certain amount of understanding, but our ideas or our understanding could be better. How many people in here have had this happen? You're reading the Bible, or you're listening to a sermon, and either the preacher says or you, in your head you realize a meaning of that, what you're reading, and you've read the same scripture wait many times and you never thought of this. Has anybody have, ever had that happen? I'm like, I'm sure I've read this dozens of times and yet somehow this thought is new. So... Uh, correction is building a better and better understanding uh, or you know I've been uh, you know working with my kids this way this is making me I'm just realizing you know I need to do it a little differently so um, uh, correction moving things more and more like the way God intended or God's best. Uh, training in righteousness. That's the, the, the fourth thing it mentions here. Training in righteousness. Now, how is this different than teaching? Teaching can be uh, informative, strictly informative. Training includes the teaching part, but then uh, uh, it takes it further by uh, demonstrating how to go about you know, following after righteousness in this case. So if I if I taught if I had a recipe and I taught just told somebody, you need two eggs and butter and this and that, mm -hmm. and then that was it. That would be teaching. But if I stood next to them, and we came alongside them and we put the recipe together and mm -hmm. baked it and brought it out and and we could evaluate whether it was a well done recipe or not, that's training. Mm -hmm. I feel like training involves like a physical nature. Mm-hmm. Well, the word that gets transferred, uh, translated training here is the same word that we get the word gymnasium from. So it's like a, which is physical training, right? Physical training. And it, can it doesn't necessarily have to be physical, but it will, it's an, uh, analogous to physical in that. So I can, like I've got, uh, I, had a, I had a sore back. A while ago and so I got some magazine articles about how to strengthen my back and I read them <laughs> so you taught yourself how to uh, get a better back I know how to get a better back <laughs> unfortunately it's gonna rely I don't, takes a lot of hours lying on the floor doing these weird things <laughs> I haven't done any of that so my back isn't any better right so uh, because <clears throat> I didn't do the training part. The, I didn't put in the time. I didn't get with somebody who is ahead of me in the game, like a trainer, to help me get it right, to, to show me how to whip the eggs or whatever that is. There's something in the wrist there. Take some technique. <laughs> it's all in the wrist. Uh, all the wrist. Yeah, fold it. Yeah, fold it. Uh, and, uh, so you got to do this, you want to... He's learning how to bake. He's learning how to bake. I think of it as a, I forget the saying or the little, little anecdote, but it's like uh, intellect is knowledge, wisdom is knowledge applied. Applied. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of the same thing where it's like <clears throat> you can be taught that it's good to love and obey Christ. Mm -hmm. 
But training in righteousness takes that a step further and says, mm-hmm. this is how, through the Spirit, mm-hmm. we love and obey Christ. So it's a, there's, um, you know, it's a little it's a little semantic, but it, that it's pretty important. Like you yeah. said, you can learn how to strengthen your back, but mm-hmm. until you actually do the work to strengthen your back, those two realities are pretty different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that training <clears throat> is putting in the hours, getting help, getting... You know, it's all the things, getting feedback on how you're doing it. It's really, it really is analogous to, to learning a, a physical skill. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so it's, and it's, again, Hebrews, the, the, this uh, Hebrews 5, 11 through 14 in this case. This is actually, this is the one I was thinking of before. About this, uh, we also have much to say. It's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. For though by this time, this is the one I was thinking of before, by, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you. Again, the basic principles of the oracles of God, the scriptures. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid foods for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice, to distinguish good from evil. So the writer of Hebrews is calling out the readers uh, on, you know, they haven't been training. They, they possess the scriptures, but they haven't been pursuing them. Um, training in righteousness. So we spend time in the word looking for these things, paying attention. We ask God for the wisdom to understand, to enable us to know the truth as we study the Bible. So <clears throat> I feel like that verse that you just went over speaks to kind of the thought that I was just having as we were kind of all talking hmm. that in order to train some, like in order to be trained, you have to have somebody willing to train them. Really but then good. also like if we're talking about in context of what the scripture says, the scripture is talking about how the scripture is there for training. So it's, it's, you know, and that also can go to those other verses that we're talking about how, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to have the milk and the meat and you have to have different people who have been reading scripture for a different amount of time and have different levels of maturity mm-hmm. to help work with each other through the scripture for that training. Absolutely. There's also yeah. a place where in the church... Um, if you're talking about a relationship between two people, one who's a, a churchman that's been there a long time, or a woman, um, and and is a, identified by others as a good workman in the Lord, you don't you want you want to be trained under them, but you don't ever want to place too much emphasis on them in terms of like the whole mentor role. Like I mean, it, it can, and we got to understand. Like we can make an idol of those who of do well in church and mm-hmm. make more of a person than necessary. Mm-hmm. So that person needs to be humble. Mm-hmm. That person needs to simultaneously, as they help to train others, be trainable themselves, whether by the scriptures or other people in the church they or whatever. And you know, and remain trying to remain humble about it because there's sure. a give and take with the whole thing where you can end up with somebody who you think is a leader, but really they can't be taught, told anything and want mm-hmm. you to follow after what they do. That that sinks into the church in general. Be like, become, become the same, <clears throat> like them. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's this concept of <clears throat> training and the putting the, you know, putting the time in, seeking help, uh, you can spend something like, we have when you're getting if you're taking a course, you have homework that you're busy doing on your own. You're sort of teaching yourself. You're practicing, okay. Uh, but then you do go spend t- uh, go to the actual class either and get the next section or get your mistakes corrected. So there's there's both that working on your own and that working with uh, the teacher, the more experienced person, whatever you're trying to learn. That's all analogous, and it, but it's all with this the the thing that you're looking at or working from is the scripture that's what's suitable okay for all this useful profitable for this so uh, 
in that Second Timothy verse. That was the four things. And then it gives the purpose at the end. Verse 17, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So now we're back to one of the reasons the sender sent the message. Wanting, wanting uh, his children to be competent and read, you know, suitable, equipped for every good work, knowing what they need to know to do what they're supposed to do. Right? So that objective is here, you know, boom, a purpose of Scripture uh, for sure. Quoted verbatim there. So um, now you know, conforming us to the image of His Son. You know, the Church is the body of Christ on this earth. Uh, the ministry of the Word is primarily through the Church. Uh, you know, the Church is what makes that happen, so to speak, or enables it. He uses that. He uses it to to make it happen. And so these the, this competence. If you're anything you're assigned to by God, for, you know, uh, you're assigned to be a parent, perhaps, if you're ever assigned to be a parent, God is interested in your success in that, right? going to uh, help you do better in that. That's part of your, his assignment for you, if you get one of those. Okay, so, uh, you know, it's your loving father trying to get you set up. Like we do with our own kids. What do we want? We want them to be able to, you know, be successful, support themselves, do the right things. Those are our objectives as we teach and, and raise our kids. God is looking like at us for that. Plus, he's got, a, he's got a mission for us, each individual and as a group, that he wants us to be able to do, competent. And uh, uh, <clears throat> equipped. Go ahead. I was going to say, just... Random thought here, and I'll try to keep it concise. But I, I, that language is interesting to me, and it sticks out. And um, <coughs> I think there's a tendency in the in the like in the reform tradition to get a little squirrely when we when we hear when we talk about works, mm-hmm. when we talk about growth or measuring maturity or these things. I think it's just a, a tendency. Mm-hmm. Um, of the of the reform tradition in that we put a lot of emphasis on justification by grace through faith alone. Mm-hmm. But what I think is interesting about these passages is that it makes it very clear that, at least in my mind, and I don't I don't know the Greek words, but like it even says like training in righteousness. Mm-hmm. It's like we so then you might question, well, like Christ died, he imputed his righteousness to us. So what does it mean by this righteousness? Mm-hmm. And I think there's not every reference to righteousness in the scripture is talking of Christ and Peter righteousness. It is actually talking about an earthly righteousness. Amen. Yes. A comparable righteousness compared to those who may not have Christ or those who aren't righteous. Absolutely. And so this whole idea of like milk versus meat, growing in maturity, growing in the faith, um, like this is all a part of the Spirit's work of sanctification in us. Amen. Nobody is saying that these good works are required. Nobody's saying that this training in righteousness is our justification before God. It's literally saying that because of these things, because of what Christ has done for us, we can pursue these things. And that on this side of of glory, we actually can be some version of righteousness. Again, it's not the same as Christ's impure righteousness, but it is a version of righteousness. So I think that for those of us in the Reformed tradition, it's easy to get so stuck on the justification part sometimes Mm -hmm that we forget that the Spirit's actually alive and in us and working in us is actually producing good fruit, is producing some version of righteousness. Yes. Again, for, you get any of those things out of balance and it's yeah. bad, but, um, but, but, you know, I think every sort of tradition, if you will, has those scales that kind of like, they're always kind of like trying to find their balance. Yeah. And so for me, that's always been a, a major point is we are actually called to be righteous yeah. and we can actually train in that and that's yes. not legalism that's yeah. not denying justification by grace through faith alone yeah. it's simply working out what scripture has asked us to do exactly for god's purpose to serve god's purposes like to serve god's purposes. for example jesus says by this they shall know you are my disciples by the way you love one another because you love one another so it's, you're talking about a, an obvious change in people yeah. that points other people 
to Christ. So that's that's an example we talk about. It's it's not it's not it's not it's and it's our sanctification. It's a change in us. It's a difference in people who are in Christ, and uh, that is worked in them by the Holy Spirit, and uh, through through basically immersion and pursuit of these things in the Word. And it's it's so it's so much easier when we think in black and white legalistic terms. Um, it's this, I think as Ryan has said before, it's like grace is what makes this all sort of tricky, right? Is yes, we are all dirty, rotten scoundrels. We're all sinners. We will always struggle with sin, this side of glory. Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, it's a both and. We look to scripture. God has given us the Holy Spirit. And in, in, in that, we can actually pursue righteousness. We can pursue the good works that he's planned for us for his purposes and for his glory. Uh, and we can actually grow in our love and knowledge of Christ and in our love of others. Uh, the rest of uh, the <clears throat> rest in Christ's finished work and His imputed righteousness unto us never ex- excludes uh, us to from the pursuit of righteousness and good works. I mean, we're not trying to earn our salvation; we're naturally compelled to do so by the Holy Spirit because, you know, mm-hmm. we're being sanctified and, and by it. Um, so I guess our, our tendency, a sinful tendency is to want to excuse our sin when rather because of the rest we have in Christ, we, we, we are naturally, I had this better on mine, you know, prepare, compelled to, to follow after him yeah. and Pursue those things which are good that the Bible has told us about. It should be it should be a natural growth from, from what Christ has done to what the Spirit is doing in us. You know, however that works. Sounds so much better. <laughs> are you going to read Ephesians four twelve? Ephesians four twelve. No, go ahead. next on your notes. That's what go, ahead. <laughs> go ahead. While I'm writing, while I'm writing on the board, could you read Ephesians four twelve? Well, I was just thinking as we read the end of the Second Timothy passage, it uh-huh. talks about equipping. Yes. And yes. we're sitting in the equipping center. Yes. Here, but the verse that is on the by the front door, I think, is Ephesians. Uh, 412, but it starts in 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And I thought that that kind of summarizes a lot of what we're talking about right. here as far as the teaching and the correction, the training and righteousness, yep. and <clears throat> it's all for being equipped to unity, to maturity, to what Christ wants, <clears throat> how Christ wants to make himself known, the fullness of Christ. Amen. You didn't write anything on the board. No, <laughs> no, I didn't Sorry. want to, I, I wanted to listen. So, uh, so let's just think about application. So, if we as we study and we go to the we put in the time in the scripture, we can look at we're going to be reading passages of scripture or studying them. So, we can be watching for what the message is for us, application-wise, by. In fact, some people study with a little list next to them. What does this passage teach me? So we're looking for stuff in in what we're studying that will uh, have these effects, right? And will be these things. And uh, so, you know, there's, these are about the truth, right? Or to believe. Or 
about God. Or about the gospel. Or about myself. Or about relating to other people. Responsibilities. Or about my desires, my ambitions. About what to do. know scripture's suitable for these things and so we can as part of our time in the gym we can be looking for them now here at the end and we're just over time guess what I had a section on avoiding Phariseeism but we already covered it uh, it's pretty interesting the examples here will wrap up uh, I thought uh, you know what are the traps? And we, that's it. When we start, when we start moving into what we know, that's better, true, more true, better understanding of truth, or what we know about what the Bible's telling us to do and not to do, that's conforming. That can conform us to the image of God's Son, but our flesh wants to turn it into what we were talking about before, earning, earning God's approval when he already sees us as his children. So, you know, we, we uh, and it mentions that the, the, the author of our little book talks about the prodigal son. And, the product, and what he really talks about is the older brother. So the older brother was like complaining, hey, I've been here working the farm, and you never threw a party for me. So the older brother is in the mindset of earning his father's love, earning it. He, he's failing to notice that his father already loves him. So I already loved you. Okay. I'm just throwing the party because it, your brother was gone, now he's back. So this, this earning, you know, do, do our kids have to earn our love? And we're, and we're, we're human fathers, right? We're human parents. Our kids don't have to earn our love. We already love them. We fail to see that. That's where we go off the rails. We start thinking, hey, 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 hey. We, uh, if we do these things that we read about in Scripture, um, <clears throat> we, we, deserve to, we, we deserve to be loved by God. We deserve to be saved. We deserve, to, we're special. And uh, so that's our big temptation. We're going to, our other temptation, and I think we touched on this earlier too, is to take what we take these applications we discover these truths these things to do and not to do and we turn them into laws that apply to other people <laughs> and we start saying hey people who do this are better than people who don't do this and since we do this we're better than people who don't do this that was the pharisee right i'm so much better than this guy over here and what did the pharisees done they had taken the law what God had actually said, and they had made up a lot of applications for that. Like exactly what did it mean to not work on the Sabbath? They cooked up a lot of applications, and now we're holding everybody to that. And Jesus did not speak kindly about that. <laughs> That's in the woes area. So anyway, we're powered by the Holy Spirit. We do these things, you know, why do we do things for people we love? Why do, why, uh, do uh, people we love do things for us? But it's not effortless, right? And it's not in our own power. 
we're operating. Uh, it's, it's not easy. The word gymnasium comes along again. Um, but blessing comes with doing in John 13, 17. Um, all right, so now I've run out of time and then some. Danny, do you have a minute to tell us about the next class? I told oh, sure. You, yeah, I, so Jeremy wanted me to make a quick announcement about the next Sunday school class, which I believe is the only one um, as this class ends this week, and I believe the Christian Mind class ends uh, this week as well. Um, so the next class will be six weeks. It'll start, uh, I don't Next week's our congregational meeting, so not next week, but the week after. And then we'll go into, I believe, the first Sunday of the year. Um, the class is on Christology, which is the doctrine of the person and work of Christ. Uh, Ligonier Ministries, which is the ministry of R.C. Sproul, put out a statement several years ago. Um, and we thought it was really interesting in that it makes that doctrine clear by saying we affirm these ideas and we deny these ideas. So it takes sort of popular heresies about who Christ is, who he was or wasn't. Um, it says we affirm these truths about Christ that we find in Scripture, and we deny these things that uh, we deny. So anyway, it's just a helpful comparison of we affirm these things, deny these things. It's a very helpful statement concerning uh, who Christ is and the work that he did. So um, that will be our Sunday school class um, starting the week after next, and we'll go to the first uh, week of the year. And um, there's a little booklet called The Word Made Flesh, which is kind of their title of the statement. Um, and I think those will be provided to you. I'll have to double check. But I think as part of the class, you will be given a small copy of that. So, um, myself, Jeremy Litz, Jeremy Moretz, John Pouliot, and Damian Rivera will be taking turns teaching those lessons. Thank you. All right, I'm going to read this verse and then we'll pray and be dismissed. This is from John 13. Jesus is talking. This is right after he washed the disciples' feet. <clears throat> and he says, uh, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So it's back to the difference between knowledge and practice. And it's interesting that the blessing is associated with the doing. So knowing stuff versus actually having it change your heart, having it change your mind, having it change your behavior, uh, that's where the blessing comes in. Awesome. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear God, thank you for this time this morning that we could study together. Lord, I pray that you would uh, enable us to understand your word correctly and see um, clearly your message uh, for us individually in it and for us as a group uh, as we've studied it together. Lord, I pray that you would also enable us in the uh, coming worship service to worship you in spirit and in truth and to um, again understand your word as, as it's taught Lord that you would be glorified and that Lord we'd be conformed to the image of your son in Jesus name Amen <clears throat>